Good morning, Colossians chapter 2 this morning. I don't know how many of you paid attention last week, and you remember what we talked about. Well, we talked about growth and, and some things, and, and having uh, some confidence, the full assurance we looked at uh, there in, in the passage, and, and uh, having connection or being knit together in love, and those things, and hopefully you remember those. And we're going to kind of pick up where we left off in verses 6 and 7. And then look down through uh, verse 15 this morning <clears throat> a little bit and, and see what God has for us. And I just want to remind you, Jesus is all we need. He's all we need. And, and uh, so Paul addresses that we should grow, and we kind of talked about that last week, and, and uh, how we should be growing. And <clears throat> verses 6 and 7, we'll see that again. And, and uh, then uh, he goes on to say that we need to be established in Christ in these coming verses, and we'll see why. Uh, there in this passage. But um, if you would turn your attention to chapter 2 and verse 6, and we'll read down through verse 15, have a word of prayer, and uh, we'll go from there. And it says, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him, through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took, <clears throat> excuse me, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. In verse 15, And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them, openly triumphing over them in it. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. And I pray, Lord, that you would bless now as we uh, turn our attention to the word of God, that you would just have your will and way in each heart. I pray that you give clarity. And Lord, that you would bless the word as it's taught. And, and Lord, as we look at these things, we just pray that you would draw each one near to Christ. Uh, Father, we thank you for your continual working in our lives. And, and Lord, even oftentimes when we don't notice it, we just pray that you continue to work. Help us to be attentive to what you're doing in our lives, and Lord, that you would make us to be more like Christ. And, and Father, we pray that you'd be glorified in all of it. In Jesus' name, amen. So in verse 6 and 7, As ye therefore have received Christ Jesus Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. And, and uh, <clears throat> Paul sums up what it means to grow in Christ here. Um, and I think it's, it's it, I don't want to oversimplify it, but it is simple. It's very simple. He says, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk ye in him. How did we receive Christ? Uh, in faith or by faith, right? And, and we, we come to him in faith. And uh, 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians 5.17 reminds us, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Um. And so if we're going to grow in grace, we must have faith. Um, if we're going to grow in Christ, I guess I should say that 
You get verses in, in Timothy or Peter there mixed up. But, but listen, if you want to grow, you need to do it in faith. The Bible tells us that without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Um, I think it would be hard to grow in Christ if you're not pleasing to Him. So I think we can, we can, we can tie that in there. I don't, I don't want to oversimplify it, but that's the honest truth here this morning. Uh, we need to have faith that what God says in His Word, He will do and He can do, and He, he is doing, as Mrs. Byers mentioned. He's working even if we're not recognizing that. And, and uh, listen, we just need to trust God's process. Um, we had a men's prayer breakfast yesterday, and, and uh, it's been on my heart. It's been really heavy on my heart, the things that I shared with the men with yesterday. And, and, uh, and, but one of the comments I made is if God has set things in place, there are certain ways that God has designed things to work. And if we just do it, it works. Um, and, and so uh, we just need to trust God. We need to have faith. Uh, just the same faith that it took for us to receive Christ for salvation, uh, sometimes we struggle with growing and, and walking with God on a practical daily basis uh, because of our lack of faith. But if we would just trust Him, uh, trust what the Word says, and, and be obedient to the Word and do those things, we can grow. And, and verse 7 goes on, it says, Rooted and built up in Him established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. And, and so I kind of, I, I want to, I didn't break it down a lot here, but I want to talk about these a little bit, about being rooted up, uh, or rooted, excuse me, it's built up, but rooted. Um, he gives us these three things. And the idea here to be rooted in him is we're not spiritual tumbleweeds. Uh, how about that root system of a tumbleweed? Right? Not, not that great, you know? Uh, it, it doesn't support that thing for very long. And, and we were driving down Radar Hill, I guess it would be up Radar Hill Road, uh, a couple days ago. And I don't see a lot of tumbleweeds in South Dakota. People talk about them, but I don't really, I haven't seen a lot since we lived. Nothing like New Mexico and other places I've been, but um, there was a giant tumbleweed just kind of rolling across the road. Uh, at one point, it was attached to a root system that was uh, providing sustenance and or life for that thing. And, and uh, that ought not to be how we describe our, ourselves as Christians. Well, we need a better root system than a tumbleweed. Uh, we don't want to be carried about with every wind of doctrine as we see in Ephesians verse 14, that, uh, that example there. And, and uh, what determines the height and strength of a tree? The roots, right? Often uh, the roots do and the depth of its roots uh, that is true for our lives as Christians. Uh, if we want to grow and, and we want to become more like Christ and, and, and we want to be established in all these things that we're going to look at here in the morning, and it starts at the roots. And uh, we talked yesterday. Um, it's kind of weird how all this blends together, and maybe it's because I've been thinking about it all a lot, but, and that's why it's in this lesson too. I don't know. But, but we talked about meditating on the Word of God. And we see that in Joshua's life. We see that in uh, most notably, probably everybody would know in Psalm 1, that, that those that meditate, they're not participating in, in, in that verse 1 thing, right? The, the seed of the scornful in uh, those types of things. Why? But because they're in the Word of God. They're meditating in the Word of God. That's why they're not there. Um, uh, it's different, but and it goes on to say that they shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, and so that's they're they're close to the nourishment that's needed to grow, and so as Christian, that's how we ought to be. 
We ought to be in the word of God. We ought to be learning everything that we can about Christ. And this is how else to do it but right here. Right? It's to get into the word. And so if we want to be that strong tree, if we want to be flourishing, giving forth fruit in our season, if you will, we have to be where the substance is. We have to be nourished up uh, and built up. And so he says that these, these Christians should be rooted. And it goes on, it says uh, that they should be built up in him. In uh, verse 7 there. <clears throat> and I believe this kind of refers to the process of sanctification. Um, in, in which we become more and more like Christ. Um, what a blessing. I know that I'm not there, but I want to be there. Uh, and I trust you desire to be more like Christ each day and, and to be conformed. And, and so at, we get built up. And, and listen, when we I work in the civil engineer squadron and, and over my time in the military, we've built all kinds of stuff and and, uh, but usually, usually, there is a drawing and there is a plan for what we're going to construct. Usually. Right? That, that's typically how things are constructed. There's, a, there's some type of a rendering. You can see the, the exterior appearance of that. But then there's also the blueprints and things that give you all the measurements. There's specification sheets for the doors and the windows and all that kind of stuff. Right? Um, and so there, there's a plan in place. And so the goal, you know what the goal is. That's like us as Christians. We're the process of sanctification. We're being conformed to the image of Christ. We know what the end goal is. But this one time when I was stationed in New Mexico, we built a facility. We built, a, it was a, uh, they call them troop training uh, projects. And now they, they change the name because the Air Force just has to change stuff all the time. They're contingency construction projects. And so for those of you that aren't familiar with the Air Force, we have a, a lot, a, a civilian workforce that backfills us. So when we deploy and we go down range and we do our job in a contingency environment, there is a group of civilians oftentimes that stay back at the main base and they can continue to do maintenance and make sure that we can continue the missions here, right? So the B1s can keep flying. Um, and so when we do these troop training projects or these contingency tr construction projects, civilians are not authorized to participate. Because oftentimes civilians are our shmees, right? They're the experts. They've been doing this for years. And, and, and so we, we got off on this. We're supposed to have an OIC and an NCOIC and all these project, this project management team, right, that, that makes sure it's done right and there's plans. Well, we set off on this thing, and there was nothing. It, we put up some batter boards. We laid a concrete slab, and, and then we, we started. It was a, uh, I, I don't do a lot of masonry. We did it. This building was a block building, and, and we just started laying block. You know, and, and, you know, you chase the bond, you lay those things out, you kind of set those things up. But we started building this thing. I'll never forget. I'm, I'm going, you know, I got mortar here and I got a block and, and you're, you're buttering this thing and you're setting it down. And I'm talking to these guys. I'm like, what are we doing? You know, where's the door? Well, we're just going to figure that out as we go. I'm not making this up. And so we get to a certain point. Well, we, we kind of knew we wanted a door over here and a door over here because it, it was at the park on base and there was going to be a men and women's restroom is what it was. And so we needed a door here for the women, a door here for the men. And then there was a mech room in the back, a mechanical room. And so we needed three doors. And, and so we just kind of made it up as we went. That was the most frustrating project I've ever worked on in my life because there wasn't a plan. Uh, there was no uh, real guidance on what it is. Listen, as Christians, as we get built up, we know what it is. It's Christ. That's the image that we're going 
to be conformed to. Uh, and, and listen, it's so much easier when you have a plan. When you don't have a plan, it's hard. It, it happened. I mean, we, we fumbled through it, and the doors, the way we hung the door frames, it was just a mess, and, and um, I, I fabri- we fabricated windows because we didn't need real windows. It was a park restroom. It's in New Mexico, so it rarely, rarely snows, and it was going to be closed in the wintertime anyway, so I used angle iron, some expanded metal, welded it together, and that was our windows, and it was just a mess. There was really no plan, and I, I used that out of scrap from the shop, and, and, uh, but for us, we have the picture of Christ to work towards, to, to, to be our plan. And, and that's what God desires. And, and listen, one day we'll be complete. And that's exciting to know uh, as we continue this process of sanctification. Paul goes on here and it says, established in the faith. And in, in the latter part of verse 7 there, uh, <clears throat> I think this carries the idea of becoming increasingly stable or firm in the faith. Um, I remember as a young uh, Christian, um, I was saved, and, and I wasn't in a, a good Bible-believing church. And when I did finally get grounded, I got baptized and started attending church regularly. And, and uh, the Word of God was being taught. And I struggled with some things because I had learned some things before I got saved. And I just struggled. Like, boy, can you lose your salvation? How does this all work? And, uh, and I was back and forth. And, and listen, as we grow in Christ and, and we're rooted and we get established, those things aren't such an issue as they once were. Because we're established. Um, we, we are firm. Um, and we do this. How do we do this? We, we become established in the faith so that we can continue to grow. And what does it say in the last part of that verse 7? It says, as ye have been taught. Right? So we need to be in church. We need to be faithful. As, as the Word of God is taught and preached, that's how we get established. That's how we get firmed up. Right? And, and those roots can really begin to grow. And uh, I'm thankful for this church and the things that I've learned here what, since we've been here. And, and uh, verse 7 ends on an interesting note. It says the fourth thing here uh, is the result of the other three is what I put. Right? Abounding therein with thanksgiving. Boy, just being thankful for what God's doing in your life. You can, are you thankful for where God's brought you to? You know, looking back at where he saved you and where you were and, and now how he's allowed you to grow some roots and, and to be built up and, and you look more like Christ today than yesterday, hopefully. Uh, and you're, you're a little more established and, and a little more confident in the scriptures. And boy, we can be thankful for those things. And, and uh, <clears throat> listen, the language of our culture is continually becoming more and more vulgar, irreverent, and filthy. I cannot believe some of the stuff. I was on this deployment, and in a deployed environment, you kind of you live in close quarters with people. You're, you, I mean, we were in tents, and, and we were working, you know, I was working seven days a week, 12-plus-hour days. You're with these same people a lot. And I could not believe the music that they were listening to. It blew me away. Uh, filthy. And, uh, but our culture is just becoming that, and it's less and less thankful. Less and less thankful. Uh, our nation is in a mess. Um, I told one of the young airmen the other day, uh, it's in a mess. And he just, oh, he just, you're right. It, it was like, as a young person, it was like he understood what I was saying. I was like, hey, maybe there is hope. I don't know. But I want you to notice uh, Ephesians chapter 5 and verses 1 through 4. Uh, look at this. I think this is a, a pretty good indicator of where we're at today. 
and where we ought to be. At the, at the last part of these, these, these verses, it says, Be therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you, as becometh saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient. But look what it says here. But rather, giving of thanks. When you see our society today and all these things that are going on, uh, boy, these, this verse comes alive. They're not giving thanks for anything because of all this filth in their life, in society, if you will. And, and, uh, and, and listen, so as we see God working in our lives, we can understand that we have something to be thankful for. Um, God has is, done is a work. And I often remind myself, because sometimes we can get critical of, of the, the sinner, of the lost, right? Man, why they say, oh, man, those people are ugh, frustrating. Why are they that way? Well, they're that way because they're sinners. We have a dog at the house. He barks occasionally. He's a dog. That's what dogs do. But sometimes I have to remind myself, but for the grace of God, that's where Justin DeGarmo would be. And it's an opportunity to give thanks. Thank you, Lord. Uh, and, and listen, we need to remember to be thankful. Uh, it's uncommon in today's society um, as a whole. I know there are obviously uh, not everybody is this way. And, and, uh, but <clears throat> without God, we're a very unthankful people uh, in, in recognizing what he's done. And, and uh, are we truly a thankful people? Sometimes I think our nation only thinks about it during November. Thanksgiving's coming around, right? We have this holiday, so we're required to talk about giving thanks. Um, and, and really, honestly, and, and most of our nation has forgot what that holiday is for and why we have it. Um, but uh, are you truly thankful? We can't control the world. We can't control the rest of the people around us, but we can control ourselves and, and our response and how we uh, handle things. Being thankful is a sign of spiritual growth. Sometimes when I get angry and, and I'm frustrated and, and I'm just not really being spiritual, it's because of lack of thanksgiving. Um, my boys love to work with dad. No, they really don't. I don't know what it is. And I got convicted yesterday. We, I committed to doing some work for somebody a few weeks ago. And, and it, it's kind of like crunch time. So we went and did some some minor repairs at somebody's house. They're getting ready to move overseas, and, and they needed a few things done. And apparently driving a screw is too much for some people, so I was going to go do it for them. And, and so I had the boys were there with me, and, and uh, Cindy was there. She's usually not there, right? When, when I'm in the garage with the boys, it's the guys, right? And, and I was apparently being pretty short. You know, I, I like things to happen, I, and... And, uh, and so she's like, hey. And, and one of my boys looked at my wife and said, hey, first time working with dad? It was like, this is normal. It was like, uh, yeah, welcome to working with dad, I think is what they said. And that kind of hurt a little bit. Because my attitude sucked. And it was a reminder that, you know what, I, I should be just thankful that I can't, I have the ability to do this. 
Uh, I had the ability to have my kids there on the job site with me to, to be spending time together as a family. And, but instead, I was distracted with, I just want to get this done. The, the, the sun's setting. Uh, I don't want to be here after dark. Let's get this done. And, and uh, listen, a, a thankful person is a sign of somebody that's spiritual. And uh, that's tough to be reminded sometimes that maybe we're not as spiritual as we think we are. And uh, Lord, help us. Uh, we need to be thankful. Uh, take, take time to think of, of what God has done for you and thank Him. And so with all this in mind, right, we're talking about growing and being spiritual and built up in Christ. Why is all of this important? Read verse 8. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. There's a danger. We need this strengthening. We need this building. We need this growth in our life. Because there's a danger. Beware. Um, I, I was joking the other day. We, we have a Yorkie. You know, he's, he's vicious and ferocious. They are kind of, they're terriers, and so he's like a hunter. He kills rabbits in our backyard. He's, he's pretty. But nobody coming to our house is going to be intimidated by that, right? And uh, I, we were at the store. I think it was Fleet Farm. And there was a sign, beware dog. I was like, we should get this for our dog. <laughs> And uh, watchdog on duty, beware. And uh, we just had a good chuckle. But, but listen, in all seriousness, there's a danger here. Beware. Paul writes to the Colossian Christians, beware. There's a danger lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. And, and uh, <clears throat> we need to be careful. Uh, that word there, philosophy, comes from uh, kind of two Greek words, I guess it is, philos and sophia. And it has the idea of being fond or loving wisdom. And uh, just desiring wisdom. And uh, philosophy is the love of wisdom, I guess, in its simplest form. And here, in, in this passage, it's referring to worldly wisdom. Because there is a good godly wisdom, right? Um, but this passage is, is telling them to beware of, uh, of the wrong kind of wisdom, uh, which is vain deceit. Uh, rather than the teachings of Christ, rather than what they've been taught, right? We saw that in that verse up above, right, uh, of, of how they've been taught and, and how they're growing in Christ. It, it's in contrary to that. It's vain deceit, and uh, it's based on the traditions of men. Um, it's a danger. Proverbs 9.10 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's a different type of wisdom we're talking about. We're not talking about secular humanism or, or some of these other things that tend to capture minds uh, because people are seeking after things. I, yeah, I talk to people frequently, and they're, just, they're looking for knowledge. They're looking for something. Uh, and, and what they're trying to do is they fill the void of Christ in their life. But, but, but listen, this morning, there's all kinds of cults and all kinds of things out there that get us in trouble. And uh, so there is a godly wisdom. English, uh, that word there... Uh, the one word, fear, that we see in Proverbs 9.10, uh, I really can't be described in one English word. Um, it, it has the idea of submission and reverence and awe uh, for our God. And, and we, so we know the beginning of uh, <clears throat> the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so uh, we're not talking in this passage here this morning about that kind of wisdom. We're talking about the dangerous kind, and, and I came across this term. I didn't know what it meant, 
um, Playboy philosophy. I don't know if anybody's heard of that. But it was Hugh Hefner's philosophy uh, and the guy that created Playboy magazine. And, and basically the idea is whatever you think is right is okay. Man, woman, whatever the case is, uh, that's an ungodly philosophy. Um, and, and those are the things that, that the Apostle Paul is warning to be aware of. Those, these teachings aren't new. All generations have dealt with this. Sometimes we think we're in a, we live in a time that's unprecedented. Look at all these crazy wackos creating all these different religions and these different sects and, uh, of society and all this different thing. But it's nothing different than it has been throughout history. Uh, God destroyed the world at one point with a flood because the, the evil thoughts of men. And so this danger has been throughout history, and, and, uh, but we need to be careful of it. The traditions of men, that's something that creeps into Baptist churches, I'll tell you that. Boy, we get some things that we've always done, and we're going to do them that way. Well, where's the scripture that says that? Well, that's just what, what we've done. That's what, as independent fundamental, that's what we do. Well, if it's not in the Word of God, we need to be careful with that. I'm not saying we shouldn't have standards, we shouldn't have different things, but, but we need to be careful with, with how we regard those things. And, and uh, <clears throat> so there's this potential to be disrupted in our walk with God. But listen, by remembering Jesus is all we need, we can be protected from the philosophy and vain deceit. Jesus is all we need. Uh, there's those teachings, I... Uh, um, Roshnish Purim, I think is what it's called. I'm from Washington, and so down in Oregon, I think it was in the 80s, um, early to mid-80s, there was a group of people, they took over an entire city in Oregon. They were, the guy was from India, and he was, the India basically kicked him out because he was a criminal, he was a crook, and, and they had all these cult teachings. It was a mess, but they took over an American city. I can't remember the name of the city. They actually voted to change the name of the city after this Roshnish Purim thing. It, so that was the name of the town. I can't remember what it was. It has since changed back because the, um, they, they were caught up in all kinds of immigration fraud and all kinds. But they were one of the first examples of biological warfare in, in America. I don't know if you know that. But um, they went out at, at the election time. They went to all the salad bars in the town and contaminated them with salmonella to make people so sick that they couldn't vote. Um, uh, listen, we got to be careful. There's some wackadoos out there, right? And, and listen, we, we kind of chuckle and we laugh, but listen, there are people that have been in our churches that are no longer in our churches that have been caught up in this philosophy in vain deceit. Uh, and, and so uh, we need to be very careful. It, beware. They can spoil you through these things. Philosophy, vain deceit, the traditions of men after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. Boy, it's not after Christ. But, but praise the Lord, we have all we need in Christ. Verse 9 says, For in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And the word fullness, uh, uh, that's translated fullness, excuse me, uh, kind of has the idea of the sum total. All we need. The fullness. It, it, it's complete in Christ. And uh, Jesus is the sum total of God and everything we need to know about Him. Everything we need to know about God is found in Christ. And that's exciting to know because this is Christ right here. So everything that you need to know about God is right here. You just got to get in the book. You got to read the book. You got to observe the book. You got to do the book. 
because uh, you can get to know God that way. And, and uh, what a blessing. <clears throat> he has His will for our lives. Um, and, and boy, we know that He came in, in, in flesh uh, because the book of John tells us that. And uh, <clears throat> Jesus is God who came to earth in flesh and blood. Um, bear with me for a moment. I kind of struggled with this thought as I found this illustration, but I, but I think it makes sense. This does not mean the infinite God was wholly contained in Jesus' physical body. Right? Uh, uh, to understand this, kind of take the idea of, of go put your mind's eye at the ocean, right? And you're, there, you're standing at the ocean and you have a glass. And you take that glass and you fill it up with water from the ocean. And now that glass is completely full of water, but it doesn't contain all the ocean. And, and I, that, that could be a good picture of Jesus as God in, in human form, where uh, we see everything that we need to know about God, but it doesn't necessarily mean our finite minds can comprehend the infinity of God. There's no way that cup could hold all that. And, and listen, and the way I wrapped my head around it was Jesus had limitations physically because of his human body. Uh, but this morning, I'm telling you, uh, Jesus was all God. I believe that with all my heart. And, and uh, God could never be totally contained in a human body. Uh, so don't misunderstand me that I, I believe Jesus was all God. But listen, yet everything he could be in human flesh, he was in Christ. That's God, right? Everything he could be in human flesh with the limitations of the physical flesh that we have. I hope this is making sense this morning. Everything our finite minds can comprehend about God is revealed in Jesus Christ. I guess this, let's just wrap it up that way, right? There's nothing that, uh, you know, because I, I we can't completely understand God. And so, but if we under, the more we understand Christ and the more we see Christ and the more we get... Uh, transformed into the image of Christ, the more we see of God. And uh, we have finite minds. And, and uh, so Jesus is all we need. We don't need some leader to come up with some new revelation. Uh, we don't need some new interpretation. Uh, it, it, it's all we need in the Word of God is in, in Jesus Christ. Nothing else. Um. We're running low on time here this morning, but, but Jesus is all we need for salvation. I hope you believe that this morning. He's all we need. It says, and ye are complete in Him. In, in verse 10 there it says, uh, and so that word complete has the idea is, is it's furnished or filled. Uh, we're complete in Him. And it originally referred to a ship totally outfitted and made ready for a voyage. It's complete. It's ready. When we receive Christ as our Savior, we receive everything that we need for our spiritual voyage. Uh, everything that we need. Peter, Second uh, Peter 1.3 says this, According to His divine power, hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. We have everything we need in Christ. Uh, at salvation, we received everything that we need and. And uh, verse 10b goes on to say, Jesus is the head of all principality and power. Uh, Jesus has power over all forces that exist in the universe. In Christ, we lack nothing we need to know God 
and to live for him. We lack nothing. And uh, I'm going to try to find a place to close out here. In the, I'm only on page three of five, but um, I think that's a good place to close out before we get into verse 11 there. Um, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision. We'll pick up in verse 11 next week, but, but listen this morning. We need to be careful. There is danger outside of the Word of God. Uh, and, but it's, it's assured uh, to know that we have everything we need in Christ. So don't go looking for something. But just be confident that you have all that you need in the Word of God and in Christ. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for uh, this passage. And I pray, Lord, that you would burn it in our hearts. I pray that we would uh, meditate on it. And, Lord, that you would do work in our midst. And, Father, we do thank you, Lord, that in Christ we have all that we need. Lord, I pray that you would protect us from uh, the philosophy and the vain deceit of this world. And, uh, Lord, I pray that you just put your hand about us. And, Lord, help us to remain faithful to the things of God. And we do pray that you'd bless now as we prepare to go to the morning service. We pray that you'd be with our pastor, that you'd fill him with the Spirit, Lord, and that you'd do work in our midst. We pray that the lost would be saved today. Lord, do work in their hearts. I pray that you'd draw them near to yourself. And Father, we pray for Christians this morning that they would be encouraged and strengthened, Lord, to continue to walk with you and to reach the lost. We'll give you the thanks for it in Jesus' name. Amen.